I don't know how cartoons work. <laughs> I don't under like at uh, nearly it's an enigma. Forty four years old, I still don't get it. Yeah, because people draw. You have to have an insane. Now, focus. Let me say this: I yeah. I don't. Uh, I've never looked into it. So <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> for some reason, I I'm like I don't understand how this works, but I don't yeah. want to know enough to figure out how it works. Do you guys know how how it works? It's exactly what you're saying. I think you're right. I mean, I mean you're, you're yeah. drawing cartoons, and the, they just, they're different movies. They were hand-drawn. They started, yeah, being hand-drawn. Yeah. What kind of time would that take? Oh, so Usually they would draw like one background, so the background would be constant, and then the animation you'll see is just the foreground, like the characters. How do they make it move? How do they make the pictures move? Have you seen like a flip book? Like is where, that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's kind of it? They do, yeah. They would have like a background, and then you draw over a transparent sheet, and then just slowly change it so at some point you also wondered about this because you've got oh i love to draw yeah. as a kid yeah i, I wanted Can to make my own cartoons I, I i did as a kid yeah you dabble I when's dabbled. the last time you tried to draw something like legit not like um oof, i don't know it's probably been a while i mean i'll like i'll do projects with the kids and stuff and then i'll you know i'll i'll go after it yeah do you find you get locked in if the kids are doing some, yeah, we'll draw. Where they're like, they've moved on. And, oh no, it's never been that bad. No, okay. <laughs> yeah, they're out. Brandy got into watercolors over the shutdowns. Like when everyone found new hobbies, she did watercolors for a little bit, and she got pretty into it. She's still doing it. No, no, she's moved on to bread. Uh, she's on to her sourdoughs now. Okay, yeah, but she got. Pretty <laughs> That's good. what everybody was doing. She was like teaching herself how to draw, like the mechanics of it. And, yeah, and paint. So the natural progression is watercolors to bread. Yeah. Okay. That's the COVID progression. Okay. So if I ever start and with watercolors, I need to know yeah. what comes next. Yeah. You Confuse have baked me. bread. I have baked bread. I'm yeah. telling you. <laughs> yeah. I like to declare things. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got some right here. <laughs> uh, you guys, I got to, you do friendship bread. Have you heard of this? No. I've been given friendship bread. Okay. Yeah. It seems like uh, my real friends wouldn't give me bread. That's what it does feel like. You know, like... you got to say friendship on the bag, then. <laughs> well, it's just like, if... I, you're giving me something to do. Yeah. Like, it's a chore. Like, if you gave me a real loaf of bread, that would be better, but it would still indicate that we don't really know each other. <laughs> I'm not... I a, don't know what you're talking about. French, I, okay, so friendship bread was... Oh. It's basically... Correct for, me for, for all wrong. the listeners. It's a starter. Okay. Yeah. I do know that because sourdough, like that's all about the starter. Mm -hmm. I want to help you with your microphone. Grab it's mine. Grab this. I think you're loose here. This little thing. Okay. Uh, when Jared Tighten. said that we were ready to go, he sabotaged your microphone. Are you tightening there? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. If, your beard keeps hitting and it's flipping. Oh. And then I, I feel like you're fighting and I felt bad for it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Just trying to help out. There we go. So friendship bread oh. is, it's a starter, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, this happened to me. I, I worked in um, lending. I did mortgages for a while at uh, this place in Westlake. And I come into my office one day, and there's just a freezer bag with a with dough in it. Yeah. And it it said friendship bread. And I was like, who gave this to me? <laughs> and no one w wanted to. It was like an anonymous thing. Oh, weird. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm not going to eat this uh, because I don't know Good. who it came from. Like, what? I, I got enemies in this world. Like, I don't yeah. know. And, and nobody would own it for a while. And then finally this guy was like, okay, it was me. It's called friendship. Friendship bread 
And I was like, <laughs> you were getting mad in the office. Who gave me this? <laughs> it was me. It was me. He's <laughs> like, this friendship bread. And I'm, and I'm like, and, and you are. And he told me his name. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and I uh, threw it out. <laughs> oh, man. I did. Oh well, yeah. that's okay. We still don't talk. Yeah, this apparently. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't know what to do with it. I didn't want it, and uh, yeah. I said, "Well, thank you." His friendship or what his a, bread? Uh, it sounds both. like both. Well, it was too too new to give somebody bread. <laughs> <laughs> don't you think? Like, I don't know what to think of this yeah, conversation. <laughs> we were at cartoons <laughs> and. <laughs> And now we're at. Did you guys like when I had COVID? Was it nicer? <laughs> was it better? Oh like it, no, I we hated sense, that. Sense the intimacy. One time, <laughs> one, yeah, one time this, this family made me a casserole and I just threw it away. Yeah, <laughs> like, I'm not gonna eat that. Yeah, I get that. You don't know where it's coming from. <laughs> when I first started, you know, as the lead pastor, it was like, let's do the potluck picnic. I'm like, no way. <laughs> Like, no way. Like, yeah. I mean, it's just, first of all, it's a lot of, in, there's just so many people. You had, you know, so much food. And I'm like, no, I don't I, I want to, I need to clarify. I was being sarcastic. I, I, there's no casserole that I actually threw away. Mark would never throw away. I, uh, casserole. I yeah. know my sarcasm is too dry sometimes. If I didn't take that sarcasm, I, like, on I just come yeah. across something like a jerk. <laughs> like, that was right. a joke. Um, yeah. I, yeah, I don't get a lot of food uh, products. Um, <laughs> from people yeah and obviously clearly yeah. and i think that this conversation now they know. Is, i'm never gonna get yeah. Yeah. <laughs> people that do give me stuff i i do partake uh, in those things um but yeah it was just too i didn't know did you have to bake it was yeah. it a starter was it a starter or was it a full loaf, it was a loaf of bread? I, had to, I had to bake it was not even in the shape of a loaf of bread it was dough in a bag so mm -hmm. i needed to have a bread pan I am 24 years old. Like the size of a bowling ball, like a full, yeah. like it was already risen? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, at, at 24, like I, I, I have a bread pan. Yeah. Like it's not what I'm what I'm doing. You know, I have pans, but I'm not like make, making my own bread. Yeah. It just felt too soon in the relationship to give somebody bread. <laughs> Sounds like there wasn't a relationship at all. Well, you yeah. Didn't know his name. Um, I mean, I've known you guys for a good amount of time. I promise to never give you friendship bread. I well, <laughs> although Brandy did give some starter to uh, Pastor Zach's wife. So I was going to ask. It seems yeah. like something when you mentioned Brandy was in the bread. I yeah. was wondering if she was sharing. Yeah, but that's something Marissa would want to do. Oh yeah, she loves it. Yeah, like I don't yeah. feel like Brandy is out there forcing bread on people. No, it was aggressive bread giving. No, that no, it all that just I've never heard of that before. Yeah, I, and it it is odd. Well. Yeah. You've heard of it, though, although right? I do love. I was given uh, it. I was given friendship bread by an elder at a previous church, right. and I barely knew him. Yeah, it was like here's our the start to our friendship. You right. Know? Yeah. I would figure you would get this as a pastor more than a, a lender, <laughs> because this is like, what do I get the pastor? Yeah. Well, not him or somebody. His family's probably make not this bread, bread after this. So, podcast. You, yeah. so you had to bake it too, like. It, it, I, giving, threw, I threw mine out. You're giving raw dough. <laughs> I want to know like the process. Like, what is this tradition? You like, take this it, is so foreign to me. So, yeah, I, well, I didn't Marissa. look into it. Again, I was 24. Like, I'm well, like, this is a chore. You're supposed to bake it. You're supposed to save. I why think, is it called friendship? I think bread? you're then, supposed to add flour to it, and then you start a your your loaves of bread from that. Well, that's a you starter. Yeah, you don't need. It sounds all like of you it. had a, a ready had a to go bake, loaf of bread, like a take and bake. Got and it. so, from my understanding, and I didn't get deep into this because I, I was troubled by it. Um, my understanding was I was to bake this, uh, eat it, 
once I recovered <laughs> from the, arsenic, out of the hospital right, that, that bread was laced with, <laughs> then I was to make I was to make dough mm-hmm. and then pass it pass along. It yeah, mm-hmm. kind of pass it on. Oh yeah, that's to right. someone. You broke this man's chain. I did, and it's hard. I think. Ooh, yeah. yeah, but you received a starter, which is not a full loaf. That just can be a very small amount of yeasty substance. I guess I don't, this was years ago. I thought it was like I could take part of it and make some more bread. Maybe I broke That's this man's starter. chain. Yeah, yeah. You would take, yeah, you would add to it and let it rise, and then then yeah. you have what yeah. Neil got. No, I got the full dough. You that bake, like you yeah, bake like it. it does sound different. that like you got like a loaf of bread to cook. You got like, but a I li- feel a like lifestyle. my bag like, said <laughs> friendship. Yeah, lifestyle. <laughs> right. Oh, well, so no, you said friendship. Like it, I could see, yeah, bread. I could see it being done both ways. Yeah. Cause like if you have a starter, like you gotta like feed it and mm-hmm. manage it and use it and like it's a whole thing. Yeah. I think you almost have to give uh, a bag of bread dough to somebody you don't know real well, because the people that know you, well, that's what that guy was doing, wasn't he? Yeah, well, he did it right, but I still didn't care for it. <laughs> it's like it is he was trying to break I'm bread so, with you. This is if I haven't thought about this in. 20 years so we'll uh, edit all this out no this is gold this is gold (laughs) we'll throw this away with the the loaf of bread i still have i might still might have covid um yeah i broke this guy's chain but he didn't know that because he was like he gave me this and you know i threw it out and he assumed i was gonna he's sitting at home wondering wonder how far my bread got right he probably figured I gave it to friends. right now. He right. <laughs> probably attends the church. <laughs> now we know who started those fires in the bathroom. <laughs> oh. There it is. There oh, it is. Wow, we found it. Yeah, yeah. Right. Well, it's good to be back. Uh, thank you guys for uh, podcasting uh, last week. So yeah, that's how cartoons are made. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Through starter cartoons. You give somebody yes. a background and then they write or draw. Of course. <laughs> um, yeah, this all started with wondering when the last time you, uh, you know, drew something was, but it's mm-hmm. been a while. You can't draw? <laughs> <laughs> I can draw. Can you? Yeah. What What stuff? <laughs> what do you draw? What are you drawing? Your hair. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, <laughs> loaves of bread. <laughs> loaves of bread. <laughs> I'm really good at that. <laughs> I used to draw all my favorite cartoon characters. Speaking oh, of, really? Yeah. Okay. SpongeBob. SpongeBob. Okay. Yeah. Goku. Super Saiyans. I don't know what those are. Nerdy stuff. Yeah, we'll stop there. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> like video games or something. <laughs> no, that's a cartoon. It's an anime cartoon. Is it okay? Yeah. American. It's where no, it's where their hair goes gold when their energy levels going up. Oh, okay. And they say Kamehameha. You ever heard of this? No. No? No. We'll stop there. Let's break that chain. <laughs> Let's yeah. break that chain. Let's break that thought chain. Yeah. We can do it. I uh, say it's a ledger all the time. He thinks it's hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's small. He's small. Yeah. It's a, it's a hilarious. Any silly thing. Yeah. Henry will ask me sometimes, he's like, can I uh, speak in my own, can I make up words? Mm-hmm. I'm like, go for it. And then somehow it always winds up him saying uh, things that he shouldn't say, like poop. <laughs> Yeah, because they'll just say yeah, blah, 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 poop. I'm like, I heard it. I'm like, you're not mixing it in. Um, oh, I teach Ledger that how to say poop <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. every day. Henry's allowed to say it. It's just that what he's doing with it when he's yeah. using that word. Oh, gotcha. He's always smearing it on something or oh know, yeah, no poopy <laughs> face or yeah. Oh wow. Yeah, he gets uh, not in real life. He's not smearing it anywhere, but he right. just he likes to describe it yeah. for some reason. Um, Anyways, good to be back. Uh, what episode is this? I don't even know. 
44, I think. I don't know. Is it 44? Is it? Yeah. All right. Maybe. I'll trust you. <laughs> Pretty <laughs> sure. Okay. 44 or 45. 44. It's, it's around there. Yeah. Yeah, it's one of those two. Well, thank you guys uh, last week for doing that. Um, I, I appreciate it. I noticed you. I noticed that you sat in my chair, and mm-hmm. I find that, because I've gone back and reviewed the podcast, I move this a lot. Yeah. Um, but then I was watching you do it. I'm, I'm thinking, is this thing faulty? And for the listener, I'm talking about this uh, mic stand. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's yeah. a nervous tick. It might. I think that might be my thing. Um, you guys started off last week with uh, the word zarf. Yeah. Yeah, and I didn't. I learned something. That's the only thing I learned from that podcast, but it was. <laughs> just Your coffee scarf. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's a zarf. I didn't. When you first said zarf, I started looking at what you were wearing. Yeah. Yeah. Because I thought it was a like a sweater scarf. Oh, I looked down at my shirt. Yeah, you, you had a zarf there, and <laughs> yeah. I and then I thought, is this a Seuss term? Because that sounds like something. In, yeah, doctor, doctor Seuss. I thought that would be something. Why'd uh, you point at me? Because <laughs> you like SpongeBob. I don't. I don't know. Like, draw. Right. Oh, I felt like in yeah. case you don't know, <laughs> he did point directly at I did. you. I, I presented it <laughs> to you. Seuss. I think you gave me a, a blank stare. That's what it was. This we'll go back. One. We'll review the tape. Um, go on. I'm just listening. So Dr. Seuss is a children's book, right? <laughs> right? But a zarf sounded like something yeah. from, a, from, oh, a, right. from a Seuss book. But uh, yeah, I learned it was that thing. Yeah. And then I come in today and Margie's sitting there with the old Christian church stamp. Just oh, yeah. stamping all those things. <laughs> stamping zarfs over there. Yeah. I see. And I looked at him and I thought... Do we need to stamp these? I don't uh, know. <laughs> I don't know yeah. anymore. I was thinking, does Margie have something better <laughs> that she can be doing with, with her sign? <laughs> Avarice should be printing these for us by now. <laughs> something. Jeez. Although I was picturing our people picking their coffee up and going, oh, yeah, I'm at church. <laughs> <laughs> I'm at the right church. Good. Right. That's right. <laughs> right, yeah. I always double check my zarf to make sure I'm <laughs> worshiping in the right place. Uh, um, so episode 44, welcome to the atrium. This is a Hope Christian Church podcast. My name is Neil. I'm the lead pastor here at Hope Christian Church. My name is Chad. I'm the student pastor here at Hope. And I'm Mark. I'm the adult pastor. And we're full strength. I think we're finally full strength. Yes. Uh, people have been sick. You were out sick for a while. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, just the staff as a whole. And Zach was sick, and then Ledger was sick, and then we were sick, and then Bob was on vi- vacationing in California. Yeah. Um, and we're finally back to to full strength. We got a little chatty and staff meeting today <laughs> yeah <laughs> I felt we had to get back on task because it was just good to be in the room together i think the last time we were all in the room was brenda's going away yes. at uh, chipotle lunch so it'd been it'd been a bit but uh what we're going to do today um is we've got a couple of questions that we're going to go over I'll, I'll kind of wrap up now what 2023 um and we'll get to these questions today Stuff on fasting, lots of questions on on fasting, um, which I'm glad. Uh, last time uh, you weren't on the, the podcast, you were right. You were. I wasn't part of that conversation. You that were was sick, that. right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. So yeah, it was uh, Zach and Chad and I. Um, but we'll we'll go over these questions here in a little bit. Uh, but on Sunday, this past Sunday, we wrapped up finally. Now what? 2023 with uh, serve and tell. And part of what I wanted to do um, with Serve and Tell is the same thing I wanted to do with Worship McCrow is just connect this to the theme of living by the Spirit and how can our Serve and our Tell be Spirit-controlled. And I wanted to focus on serving and telling in the church. 
if anybody is astute and paying attention, I kind of ping pong back and forth every year. Uh, I believe last year was <clears throat> we're talking a lot about evangelism, serving in people, you know, uh, telling people outside of the church um, the good news of Christ. And this year, and it made sense because of the growth that we've experienced, um, particularly this this year, the last you know three four months, whatever it's been. Um, that we needed help for a third service. And so it all just kind of seemed to land in the right the right place. And so we focused on this uh, serve and tell. And I, I juxtaposed the term serving and helping and kind of sitting back and just thinking about, you know, being here. And you've been here how long now? Six and a half years? On staff, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, so it's been, I mean, you've been working here. Almost seven. It'll be seven at Easter, yeah. Okay, yeah, so you're basically seven, yeah. seven years here. You've been here four and a half. Yep. Right. And, you know, I've been here for 13 now and serving in the church volunteers has just always been an issue. And you start to wonder if, um, maybe how you're uh, trying to get volunteers, uh, how you're caring for your volunteers, how you're discipling and leading your volunteers. Like, are we falling short in that area? Um, are we asking too much of people? Do we have too many programs going on? Are there too many, you know, um, silos, if you will, of, you know, you get the twos and threes and the threes and fours. And, um, you know, so years ago, I stepped back and I looked and I'm like, what do we even do with the East Wing? Like, there was a period of time where I was considering going to just a nursery. Um, and part of it was, the majority of it was just kind of looking at scripture going, there's no intergenerational worship taking place at this this church. Um, but logistically, it would be nearly impossible with about, you know, 150 kids. How do you get all those kids in there? <clears throat> and then I went back and, you know, what we were doing wasn't, it's not violating scripture, but just trying to to think, you know, well, if it's not working, maybe we're not doing it in the right the right way. And so every year when I, when I look at this, or every other year when I look at this, I, I think, you know, how can, how can we communicate what, what the scriptures teach about, about serving and serving, um, you know, the, your, your church body, your church family. And that term, you know, helper came up and I thought that's, that's the problem is we get up as leaders <clears throat> and we say, we need your, we need your help. Church, we need your help. We need volunteers. And what happens, I think, and part of what I explained on Sunday was it, that idea of helping gets in people's minds and it winds up when you help somebody, typically it's a short term thing. Typically. Um, now if you're, you know, helping an aging parent or caring, you know, obviously you help your kids, but even that has, uh, a, a period of time on it. Like you'll always help your kids, but the level of help to your kids changes. Um, Henry, you know, is six now ledger's, how was Ledger? Two? Almost two. Almost two. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I would imagine you do less for Ledger now than you did at one. You know, Oscar is nine, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, he's got to be self-sufficient by now. Yeah. <laughs> Making friendship bread for people, just getting it out there. <laughs> um, so even that changes o- over time. But the idea of, of serving is different. Serving is a lifelong thing that we do. And how you serve and the capacity with which you serve might change. And the areas you serve might change. But that serve, that's serving this idea of serving, being rooted in love and looking at Christ for that example. So I use the example of a husband and wife and helping each other with duties and things like that. And what I was hoping that would do was get people thinking about how they can, you know, 
serve this church body uh, through through love. You know, don't use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. Instead, serve one another through through love. Serve one another. Um, and so that was kind of Sunday wrapping everything up, and then we kind of closed the series out. And without getting into too much detail, uh, we got a lot of we got a pretty good response from the church body. And so it looks like we should have what we need to start a, a third service, and more details will be coming very, very soon on that. So that was now what 2023, and the, this coming week, we're kicking off a series called "The Flesh," and we're going to be talking about how we are, how we can fight that flesh, how we can put to death the things or the works of the flesh, and be spirit controlled. Continuing in that theme, and we'll be out of Galatians five for that. So I'm looking forward to, um, this series. I think it'll be, um, I think it'll, it'll be helpful for us. And what I want to do in this series is just give really practical things that, that people can do, um, that, you know, relate to scripture, but that are relevant, real things that, that we can do to help fight those fleshly desires. And so, uh, yeah, we'll be doing that. We'll be doing that this week. So looking forward to that. But today uh, we're going back and we're going to ask, or I suppose answer um, some questions. Uh, and this first one is from the podcast uh, number forty-two that Zach and Chad and I did. So let me go ahead and <clears throat> read this. And I think I'm going to read the whole thing. It is a longer email, but I think it's. I don't. I want to give this. Um, person or people listening, I should say, on the context of all of it. So it says, to my brothers in Christ, I hope this letter is received with the love and respect in which it is intended. I'm an adamant believer that the Bible is a beautiful, complicated document given to us by God, written by humans over a long span of time in different situations and cultures, and that we as believers have the privilege and responsibility of negotiating it on a personal level. Therefore, I believe that aside from a few fundamentals, it's possible for Christians to come to different conclusions when interpreting the whole of Scripture. And more importantly, I believe it's important to realize that different conclusions are valid as long as they are arrived at in good faith, and that we can all be harmonious followers of Christ working together in the body while still having differences in opinion. I mention this because there are often things on the podcast where I have a different perspective, and I'd like to share one of those with you now, with the understanding that I'm not saying you're wrong, simply offering another way to look at it. On podcast number 42, at 1 hour, 33 minutes, and 50 seconds, Neil says that group fasting violates Scripture, and that you don't see group fasting in Scripture. But there is an example, <coughs> excuse me, there is an example of group fasts in both the Old and New Testament I'd like to share. Esther 4, 12 through 17. When Esther's words were reported to Mordecai, she sent back this answer. And this is example one that he's giving. Now, do not think that because you are in the king's house, you alone, you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But you and your family, your father's family will perish. And who knows, but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. Then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai, go gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my attendants will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king 
even though it's against, it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. So Mordecai went away and carried out all of Esther's instructions. This is example number one uh, from the Old Testament, and this is example two from the New Testament, Acts chapter 13, starting in verse one. Now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, a Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manan, who had been uh, brought up with Herod, the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. This listener continues to write, I think the argument could definitely be made that group fasting can be used to great effect. Neil's point, both of these examples are done in secret and private. For Esther, it's done on her behalf in opposition to an oppressive government in a time where Esther had a very difficult decision that would put her life at risk for the sake of the Jewish people in Babylon. For Acts, it was a group fast, but done within the private confines of church leadership. During fasting and worship, the Holy Spirit doesn't condemn their group fast, but instead comes to them during the fast to deliver the news, which they promptly, obediently act on. I absolutely agree with Neil, Zach, and Chad that churches should be very careful that fasting not be done for the sake of optics, but I think the argument could be made that group fasting has its place in Scripture and can have its place in the church. Preaching runs the risk of vanity, playing instruments runs the risk of pride, mission trips run the risk of a savior complex, and yet these things are still favorable things to do as long as you are keeping yourself in check and aimed at God. Anyways, love you guys very much. Just wanted to share a different perspective. God bless. So I suppose the first thing I should do is put into context uh, what I was talking about on podcast number 42 at the one hour, 33 minute and 50 second mark. What we were talking about in that particular episode was Zach was in the youth group, Pastor Zach was in the youth group here, and they had uh, their leader, their youth leader, uh, decided to have all the kids do what they called a 40 hour famine. So no food uh, for 40, 40 hours. And they were paired up. They had, they had partners. And Zach was with his partner, Jake. And uh, we were talking about how um, fasting is not just the reframement of something. It was the replacement. And how Zach and Jake were just kind of sitting there playing video games, hungry, not really doing anything with it. And uh so the context of the group fasting that I was talking about was when you've got a church leadership, a pastor or an elder, um, asking his people to fast with everyone being aware of it. And I quickly uh, went to Matthew chapter 6 and said that, um, or read Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 6, where Jesus talks about fasting in the Sermon on the Mount. And I went on to, to read that and then talk about how if I had been um, the lead pastor at the time, we wouldn't do that. We're never going to do a, a, a church-wide fast here where the leadership is asking everybody to fast and then keeping tabs and holding one another accountable for fasting. And I said, you don't see group fasting in Scripture, and group fasting violates Scripture like this person said. What might have been the better thing to say uh, was just add a couple of words. You don't see group fasting like that um, because the context of what I was talking about was a church leadership having the entire church fast with accountability partners in place where we're keeping tabs on one another. How's your fast going? How you doing? Um, 
if I had added those two words, um, perhaps it, it would have been a little bit more clear. Uh, but let's go ahead and dig into these two examples, because are these the type of group fasting that I was referring to? And we'll start with Esther. Um, Esther, again, uh, this is Old Testament, but Esther is not a leader in a church. Esther was a queen at this point, and she, as her people, declared or asked them to fast for three days. Was this a group of people fasting? Yes. Was it the church advocating uh, for this? Was it church leadership? Was it being um, done like a 40-hour famine that Zach was talking about where there was really no instruction on what to do, how to replace and the answer is is no. Esther is a very different example of this. But I want to stop down here for a second. We'll get to Acts here in a second. I want to stop down here because let's say that Esther was. And in fact, the better example or the closer example might be from Ezra. Ezra was a priest, and in Ezra 8, he declared a fast. That's a little bit closer to what we got or what we were talking about or the context of what I was talking about in episode 42. But let's stop down here for a second, and let's talk about the Old Testament. It's important to recognize that particularly the Sermon on the Mount, what was Jesus doing? He was kind of upsetting the apple cart, right? He's talking about things that came from the old law uh, and establishing a new line of thinking. I think we'll just, a great example of this is in uh, Matthew You've got uh, chapter 5, verse 38. This is the Sermon on the Mount. This is right before Jesus gets into to fasting. Jesus says, You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. Now, who said that, guys? <laughs> Moses. Yeah. Moses. Who yeah. told Moses that? God said it. <laughs> God <laughs> said it. So I love when Jesus says, You've heard it said, because it's like, yeah, you said it. And it's so interesting. You've heard it said that it was an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, and what's he doing? Do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. Jesus is referring to his own words, Jesus being fully God, and he's he's kind of reestablishing, re, rewriting, and I want to be careful with that because he didn't come to eliminate any of the law, right? He came to fulfill it. Mm-hmm. But this is part of why this is part of why the Jewish leaders, the, the Sadducees, the, the Pharisees, they're they're driving he's driving them nuts. Yeah. Because he's taking, you know, uh, Mosaic law That's Leviticus 24, like Levitical law, and he's turning it upside down. So all that to say is that what Jesus is doing in the Sermon on the Mount is he's he's giving a new way. He's giving new instructions on how to do things that were previously established. And so even if Esther or Ezra was a perfect fit of what we were talking about in the context— The question is, is Jesus giving new instruction on fasting? And what Jesus says about fasting, I'll go back and and read it. 
He says, and when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. We got to do something with that word secret, right? Because what is a secret? And if you look at the word, it means secret in the Greek. It, a secret is something that people don't know. That's why it's a secret. So we got to figure out how do we make, uh, you know, the whole of Scripture fit within this new, perhaps new instruction on fasting. Fasting uh, was commanded for one day a year, Day of Atonement, right? Mm -hmm. And that's no longer we no longer do that. So we know that fasting has, has changed. You don't see any direct command for fasting in Scripture. So the Esther, the Ezra, we can't really look to those. There are certain things that we can look at in the Old Testament that carries through to the New Testament. But there are certain things in the Old Testament where Jesus is kind of opening up and giving new instruction on how to handle these things. So that begs the question, well, then in Acts 13, What's happening in Acts 13? Is this an example of group fasting where you've got a pastor telling his people, his flock, to fast with those accountability pieces in place? So Acts 13.1, now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, he gives the list, and while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. <clears throat> a couple things I want to say about this. First of all, this, again, is not what we were talking about specifically, where you got a pastor leading his church through a church-wide fast. These are church leaders that are fasting. And yes, this is a group of people fasting. But, and, and, and this, is, this is difficult, and you got to kind of nuance this a little bit. You go back to Matthew chapter 6, and Jesus says, and when you fast. He doesn't say, and if you fast. Fasting was a very regular practice in the early church. It's something that we don't see as much now. Yep. It, it was assumed that people were fasting. So Luke is giving an account of what they were doing. Now, whether or not they knew one another were fasting, we don't know. But we can assume that they knew because they were always fasting. It's like, I assume you read the Bible. I don't come to you. All. For the listeners, he pointed to Mark. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I assume you know who Dr. Seuss is. He assumes Chef. I read Dr. Seuss. <laughs> I, I assume you have someone read it to you. Oh, man. <laughs> no, just, whoa, whoa. Zinger. Zinger. Get body just, dude, friendship there right away. Uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I'll bring you bread tomorrow. I'm sorry. Um, it, it, would, it would have been assumed. Like, we assume that... that you know, yeah. you guys are reading your Bible. You assume I'm reading the Bible. I assume you're praying. It was regular practice. So Acts 13.1 is not an example of a church leadership asking the flock to, to fast. It was regular practice. Uh, we also don't know if they knew. Luke is giving us an account of what, what they did. So it's, you know, I don't think, and this is me, this is not Scripture, this is me, I, I don't I wouldn't think that they got together and were like, hey, let's let's do this fast. Let's do it for this purpose. It's possible that they 
did, but it's it's probably not likely because fasting was just a regular thing that was happening. That's why Jesus, Jesus says, when you fast. And remember, the apostles weren't fasting, and they were, they were all fired up. And, you know, they're asking Jesus, like, you know, why are John's people fasting, but your your guys aren't fasting? What's the deal? And Jesus is making the point where they're with me now. <laughs> like they don't need yeah. to fast right now. You don't you don't do that when when I'm here. No. So I don't believe that Acts 13 uh, is what we were talking about either, where you've got a church wide fast. There's a difference between a group of people fasting and then a group fast where that everyone is holding one another um, accountable. So I'll stop there for a second. I got a few more things to say, but would anyone like to chime in? Mark, you got thoughts? I mean, I think you said, to your point earlier, you know, Jesus, you said Jesus came to fulfill the law. That's what he was doing and things like the Sermon on the Mount. I think fulfilling the law is the that's the way I phrase it in my head. Yeah. Like, and well, scripture too, but like that, and that's scripture's <laughs> word. But like, right. when you say he's adding this new layer, I see, you know, that's, that's him fulfilling the law yeah, and taking it to that next level. And when he gives these instructions on fasting, um, you know, look at the heart of it. Cause we can get to make the same mistake as the Pharisees and get too, too nitpicky about the modality. Yeah. Like the, and, and and our intent is really what he's getting at. Mm-hmm. Everything when he's saying all, even the instructions for retaliation or uh, for anger or for uh, divorce or anything, it's all about the intent. Um, the Pharisees wanted to be seen by other people. Um, and, and so we, we don't want to get, I don't, I don't think we need to get too hung up on what do other people know or what do other people not know. Because uh, it was kind of assumed, Jesus, but Jesus is kind of saying, like, just don't don't be showy about it. Don't do it because that's why that's your motivation for right. it. Um, so, like, if like whether they knew each other, like like you said, they knew that they were fasting. They, yeah, and and they probably even talked about it, and that's to fine. a certain degree. Yeah, and that's actually I think will lead into the next question here in just a minute. But yeah, um, yeah, fasting to me the more. Oh, go ahead, Chad. You have thoughts? Oh, no. You finish, yeah. Then uh, I'll say something. Um, the more difficult part of all this f- f- for me is when you go to Matthew 6, it's the it's what Jesus says before it. Mm-hmm. That's the, like about praying because he says the same thing about praying. And when you pray, yeah. pray and go to your room, shut the door, pray in secret. Yeah. Now, every single one of us have prayed publicly. 90% of prayer in the New Testament is corporate prayer. It is. And that's what I was going to get to, is that yeah. you have to look at what happens after Jesus does this. Yeah. So it really does kind of, ha- everything kind of hangs on what you see. Jesus prays corporately. Yeah, That's what he does. He prays for his apostles. To get, you know, think about Lazarus when he, when he prays. Um, so there he's talking, you know, kind of focused on intent and, and fasting is focused on intent. Prayer is a command. Fasting is no longer a command. Uh, you don't see it commanded in the New Testament, but it's it's a, it's assumed. Yeah. Um, not that God assumes things because He's God; He knows all. But there's this assumption that you're going to do these. It was already a practice for a long, long right. time that's been established, right. so it is relevant to, right. to them more than it is to us. This is what you do. And I admittedly, practice. admittedly, always 
err on the side of being conservative with things. Um, 90% of the time. And when I studied this years ago in schools and, and even recently, um, because I want this to be a part of my uh, life, my walk with the Lord, I think it's valuable. Um, and wanting to do it in a way that pleases and honors the Lord and modal or motive is more important and primary. I think what you said, than modality, and I think that's what Jesus is getting to, but there, there is a unique danger, um, to this, this listener goes on to, to say preaching runs the risk of vanity. Playing instruments runs the risk of pride. Mission trips run the risk of a savior complex. Yet these things are still favorable things to do as long as you keep yourself in check and aim at God. That is all very true, but those things are things that we are commanded to do. We are to we are to go make disciples. We are to Romans ten. They don't know because they haven't heard. They haven't heard because nobody's told them the good news of Jesus Christ. Playing instruments run the risk. We're talking about worship. We're instructed to worship. We're called to sing and praise God through song. That's a command in Scripture. Mission trips. That's evangelism. That's taking to the ends of the earth. You know, uh, you you guys talked about that uh, last week on the podcast. That's a command. Um, and so these are things that we have to do. Yeah. Fasting again is not a command. Mm-hmm. So it's not like, well, we have to do it, and if we get you know in the weeds with it a little bit, we'll, we'll figure it out. We have more time to sit there and kind of pull back and think about how am I to do this? Why am I doing it? We see Jesus fasting in Scripture. That's, a, that's the, one of the best reasons for us to do it. We're to, we're to do what Jesus did. We see him fasting. It's, he gives us great example and instruction in that. Um, but we've got a little bit more time with something like this. You even go to, you know, Matthew six, giving to the needy for practicing your righteousness before other people. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. That's motive. Now it's saying you're doing it in order to be seen. Um, but elsewhere in scripture, it tells us, you know, uh, that our light is supposed to shine so they may see your good works and glorify who father mm-hmm. in heaven that's the well how can they see your righteousness and, and righteousness here is right living it's not it's that progressive righteousness it's not positional righteousness so you, you got to look at the whole of scripture and, yeah. w- and what jesus seems to do um in in giving in praying um even uh you know with things like worry with things like uh there's examples god gives us examples of alternative ways to do this is that final instruction pray in your room but then we see jesus praying corporate prayers right so if the bible doesn't give us further instruction on how to do it or give us examples and this is why it's important that we look at acts 13 to go is this an example of you know a church leadership asking the church to do a church-wide fast with you know like we were talking about with zach and that and that accountability and the answer is, I have not seen that in the latter part of Scripture. So I tend to err on the side of being conservative. And I really, you know, when it comes to fasting, I think encouraging people to do it is great. Um, but I think that follow-up, mm-hmm. you know, where you've got, all right, our 40-hour famine is done. How many of you made it 40 hours? And then everybody's raising their hands. Right. I, I just don't see that as the right 
motive. Fasting is also something that is individual. I think the Holy Spirit leads you to do it. I'm not saying that a, a, a pastor or an elder or a friend or another brother or sister can't make that recommendation to you, <clears throat> but to almost mandate and then hold accountable where people that aren't fasting, other people are going to know they're not fasting because maybe they're not going to partake in it. Um, to me, that just gets a little, it gets a little hairy. So what were you going to say, Chad? Yeah, I was going to bring up what you quoted there at the end of, of what we can do, um, preaching, playing instruments, mission trips. These are commands, and, and we ought not to do what he says right before this. Uh, we got to be very careful that fasting not be done for the sake of optics. Yeah. We ought not to make fasting a campaign, and that's what it feels like we're doing. And the examples that were brought up in that right. previous podcast um, that we're referring to with this question that's what it was. It was kind of a campaign um, for fasting for everybody here. And, and like you said, we're not going to add on to that. Yeah. Um, there's group fasting, but not like this. Right. I think that was a great way to just sum it up there. So, you know, we shouldn't be fasting for the sake of optics. Um, you know, I'll throw it back to your sermon on, on serving, too. Mm-hmm. You think about Stephen being uh, called as this new team leader, almost a serve team leader from the original 12 with Peter as the leader. They're preaching, they're teaching, they're, they're praying, they're fasting, they're seeing the Holy Spirit um, call people to faith and thousands are coming to faith. And then they go, we can't do all this plus serve tables, plus feed the needy. And they choose set, uh, Stephen and the seven and they say, we're going to do what Jesus did here. We're going to choose a new set of team members that can handle all that and meet the physical needs. Um, but I'm sure they didn't call seven people that were just um, warm bodies that were willing to do it. They could probably run an Outback Steakhouse well today. <laughs> These were people, it says Stephen was full of grace and power. Mm. So he was responsible to that, um, to that ministry. And so, you know, we tell students this right now. We don't want just warm bodies. We don't want you just doing stuff because Pastor Chad said so or some leader that you're following. Like, do it because the Word says so, Yeah. right? And so it feels like that campaign that Zach went through with that student ministry, he's sitting there playing video games going, or we're just hungry. What's the point of this? Yeah. <laughs> and so we're doing it as a campaign because somebody said so rather than we should do this because the Holy Spirit is, is leading us to do it in yeah. our lives, to, to replace something in our lives, right? Like you said before. When I preached the whole sermon on yeah. fasting, and I, at the end of that sermon, I challenged the church to, to fast. Mm-hmm. But there was no, no follow-up. And I think to give that instruction and you know, um, use it as a way to... You know, not just that refrainment, but that replacement. Um, and you see fasting in Scripture is always, it seems to always be attached to trial, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's there's something going on, some type of suffering. Esther. <laughs> Esther, right? Um, you see it here. Persecution in, in, in the Acts, church. Yeah, they're wanting um, clarity, right? You know, Daniel praying and fasting, wanting clarity. Yep. So there's, there's something that they're looking for. You see Paul... Uh, Barnabas fasting mm-hmm. as they're selecting elders, um, doing it together. Scripture tells us this. So for me, I, I think that I have felt more comfortable with challenging the church to fast, explaining what it is, but then not 
campaign was a great word, Chad. I, not using it as a, a campaign or some way to, you know, let's bring revival to Avon. Mm-hmm. Let's fast for two days, and you know, and and again, I've o- I've only seen this done churchwide with accountability. I, I haven't seen it done any other way. I'm sure there's maybe another way to do it, but the idea is we hold one another accountable. You've got a, a partner or a group, your small group is going to fast together and you're checking in with one another because fasting is a difficult thing to do, right? I, 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 for six seconds one time, I was like, maybe I'll try this intermittent fasting thing. Couldn't do it. It's just, my body was like, hey, hey, my food. Taking that bread out of the trash. <laughs> That's right. I didn't even bake it. <laughs> it's chewed it raw. Um, so, I've only seen it in that context. And again, that was the context uh, that we were talking about. Um, so what this listener kind of ends up, you know, how they sum things up is I think the argument can be made that group fasting has its place in scripture. And I agree. You see yeah. group fasting, not like the way we were talking about, but you do see a group of people fasting in scripture. And then they say, and can have its place in the church. And I think this is one of those non-essentials that they were talking uh, up where I would I would disagree if they mean it in the way that we were talking about it. Can it have its place in the church? It should be a part of the church. It should be the part of um, a Christian's walk as it was, you know, uh, when Jesus went up to, to heaven and gave these instructions. Um, and I would encourage people to, to do it um, and to do it in a way that, that honors the Lord. Um, I don't think it has its place in the church in the way that I've seen it done, um, because to me it it really does it really does promote um, kind of the optics of of it. Um, but I so appreciate yeah. uh, this listener taking the time um, to dig in to this. Um, this is you know obviously requires some study and the humility with which this is also written. Um, is a testament to what the Lord is doing in this person's life. And, and I agree uh, um, that, you know, uh, we can come to different conclusions on what we call non-essentials and mm-hmm. still love and, and worship and that there are fundamentals that are essential that we cannot, we cannot change. Um, and so to the listener, if you're listening, thank you for, for this thoughtful question. Any final thoughts? Master Park. yeah i mean let's go back to the start just to touch on that you know a few fundamentals it's possible christians to come to different conclusions while interpreting the whole scripture and the different conclusions are valid as long as they're arrived at in good faith uh that's true you just need to qualify that a little bit yeah the nature of truth there is one truth Mm -hmm. um just because we come to that conclusion doesn't mean it's truth um i'm not saying one side's right or wrong but um, he focuses on unity after that and being harmonious. Mm. And that's absolutely a focus of the New Testament. Yeah. Being united, uh, being um, being one as believers, that's going to be a greater testament. Because um, at the end of the day, the New Testament is, is not super clear on fasting. It's no. just not. No. It doesn't give us direct commands. It doesn't give us direct instructions. So we are to study it and um, understand it how we can. And it will maybe come to will come to difference in opinion. Yeah, yeah. and that really is okay. Um, when scripture isn't uh, doesn't give you a lot of instruction on something, you really have to hang on to the nuggets that it does give you. Um, yeah, like the early the early church actually required fasting before baptism. Um, there's yep. a process of uh, I think three days beforehand. It was like three day like the 
some some people did like three days before and then five days before. Yeah. There's there's different ways that but that was like you had to do you had to do that before they would baptize you. Right. Um which and, to me is adding to I think that's scripture. probably why it's not done anymore. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah. Um but it it's been there's been different approaches. Yeah. Well that's what my last thought was. You're adding on here. You think about Eve being deceived by the serpent in the garden. Right. Did did God really say you could look. eat that right, yeah. or you couldn't eat yeah. that? And then she said, you know, well, we, we can't eat it, but also we don't even look at it. It's yeah. like, do you do you even pray as a Christian? Like, well, yeah, I pray and I fast, and I fast with a whole lot of people. <laughs> That's, right, right. We're adding on. We keep adding on to that, that yeah. campaign. So do I think he words it right. He almost answered his own question. Like, these are all favorable things to do, but keep yourself yeah. in check. Yeah, keep there yourself in check. Yeah, and and again, when Scripture doesn't give you much on it, you really you really hang on to those things you can do. And then for me, uh, where I have felt the most peace in my walk with the Lord is to always err on the side of being, you know, conservative. Um, and I think again, what he what he wrote up top is great. We can you know arrive at different things in good faith. I mm-hmm. think in good faith, um, this listener probably means as long as they line up with Scripture. And that's, that's what it is. Um, but yeah, a very well thought out question. So let's move on to our next question. Mark, would you like to read? Sure. Hey pastors, I loved your conversation on fasting this week. I've always struggled with the popular Daniel fast because the Bible's clear that when you fast publicly, that is your reward. My question is related to the last podcast about fasting and two ago about praying in tongues. How do we not let the left hand know what the right hand is doing, quote unquote, but lead our family by example? Giving, praying in tongues, fasting, acts of service, and more are instructed to do in secret or without boast. But as a husband, how do I keep something like giving and fasting a secret for my wife? Or are we considered of one flesh? And should we do these things together or at least inform each other when we do these things? Thank you again for your reverence and obedience to scripture. Also for giving us an opportunity to ask questions on the podcast. That's great. Yeah. Who wants to start? Uh, I'll start because I love this question. Yeah. Um, I, I, uh, I am all about uh, leadership in the home and husbands being good husbands. And when a husband wants to be a good husband, I'm all for it. And oh, this, yeah. this question, um, simply put, the easy answer is you don't keep it a secret. You lead your family and you show them what you're doing and you teach them why you're doing it. Yep. Um, again, as I was talking about a little bit, the the Jesus's teaching in the Sermon on the Mount, a lot of it is is he's saying, do it in secret, don't be boastful, because that's what the Pharisees were doing. That was the intent of their heart, was they wanted to be seen, they wanted to be uh, you know, well known because of their good works. Um, this I don't think it applies in in the home. I think as now we don't go to we don't fast because we're trying to impress our family, <laughs> but we don't keep it a secret from our family. Yeah, um, because first of all, we're not going to be able to keep it a secret from our family. Right. In reality, let's be honest. Jesus said, "Go to your prayer closet in secret." You do that in your house. Right. Your family knows you're in the prayer closet. Right. <laughs> like they know. Yeah. You're... yeah. Or you know how kids are. Like the other morning. For the the men's breakfast, I got up super early and, you know, I was the only one awake and I'm downstairs putting my contacts in 
I open the bathroom door and straight out of a horror movie, my little daughter is standing there just like quietly staring up at me <laughs> all like, there's no lights on, you know, all the lights are off. It's so the quiet of the morning. And like, there's just this little child just staring at me. Like she's dazed from being asleep and it like scares me to death. But the point is your kids get in your life and they see what you're doing. They're around, they seek you out, they pursue you. You're not going to keep these things secret. Yeah. And secondly, you shouldn't be keeping them a secret to some degree. Yeah. I'm not saying you include your family in all of your spiritual disciplines, but you should be leading them by example. As he says, should we be leading them by example? Absolutely. Um, because you're not only teaching them how to pray. You should be teaching them how to pray. You should be teaching them how to fast. But you also need to be teaching them faithfulness and doing these things over extended periods of time. They should be seeing this as your way of life and, um, you know, mm. giving with your wife, giving fasting with your wife, reading the word, the scripture together with your wife. Absolutely. You should be doing these things. Um, absolutely. That's yeah. what God has for you as a husband, Yeah, like to lead your family and lead them well. And one, and if you're going to lead them spiritually, you need to lead them in spiritual disciplines like this. Um, that was like, I, I almost said it in the last comment, but I decided not to with Zach, you know, in that context, uh, if you're going to err in that way, um, at least it was as a student because yeah. to some degree they need to be exposed to the idea of fasting and shown how to, yeah. mm -hmm. how to fast that might not have been the right approach. Yeah. Um, but because ultimately the approach should be in the house, it should be coming from dad yeah. really. Yeah. Um, so yes, I would say, um, don't, don't worry about keeping it a secret from your family because you don't, you don't impress your family. Like, let's be honest, <laughs> your family knows you <laughs> like MacArthur said that once, like he's got all these followers and written all these books. And someone asked him at a Q and a, how do you stay humble? He says, I go home and I talk to my wife because <laughs> his wife Get bodied. Yeah, his wife knows who he is. Bring McCarthy really, here, I'll help him out. No. Like he, like he, and and that's your family knows you. Oh yeah, you know, mm -hmm. you're not gonna be able. You're not gonna, you know, they're gonna see if you're getting up there and you're like, I'm fasting or I'm praying or, you know, look how much I read in my body. Like they're gonna see through that more than anybody. Oh yeah, your wife is gonna see through that more than anybody because they're the ones living with you. They know you. Yeah, you can't mm -hmm. impress them. They know the words that come out of your <laughs> mouth when you hit your thumb with a hammer. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> they they've grown with. You. Right, they know why you're fasting. <laughs> a Pharisee can, you know, you can go to church and say, "I've been fasting all week." You know, I'm at day seven, and, and impress Joe Schmo sitting next to you. Yeah, but you're not going to get away with that with your family. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they know you. Okay, yeah, that's, that's good. That's good. <laughs> that's End my start. Of rant. Was that a rant? I didn't mean to rant. No, no I'm just no, kidding. No, no, no. End yeah. of brilliant soliloquy. Whoa, <laughs> that'll preach. That's a big word. Oh man, what do you um, got, Chad? Okay, I'll start with the great theologian Uncle Ben. Said, "With great responsibility comes great power." The it's the other way around. The rice guy, <laughs> right? Yeah. Oh, you're talking about man spider. Man spider, exactly. <laughs> yes, in the in the in the parallel world, in the, parallel, <laughs> in the alternate universe, Earth, <laughs> Earth two, you've got man spider. With great responsibility comes great power. My, my brain mirrored for a second there. It happens, especially yeah. to me. With great power comes great, great responsibility. responsibility. Yeah, yeah. So the man in the home, leading your home, you have that responsibility. The youth pastor, like you said, too, bringing that back up again. 
you yeah. could show a student how to fast, but I, you have to show them how it's done responsibly. And it sounded like with Zach, that was a little confusing. Yeah. So make this clear how this is supposed to be done. Um, yeah. He also talks about things like the Daniel fast. If you think about the Daniel fast, that is for God to receive glory in that story. So Daniel's a prisoner and for God to receive glory, he's going to just eat like eggplant and summer Pumpkin squash. <laughs> yeah, while while they're part of this like military group that's supposed to eat the best of the land, that's supposed to get you know big and strong, and he's going to get big and strong just like everybody else, only eating that. Yeah, he couldn't have done that on his own. This yeah. is for uh, God to be seen uh, on his life. And then fasting also focuses focuses uh, a person on the reality of God's lordship in their life. So if things um, are, are just crowding, you said the, the term earlier, you're stuck in the weeds, yeah. <laughs> but in a different context. Yeah. A lot of us feel stuck in the weeds in our very busy schedules and the lives that we have responsibilities in today and the count, the, all the calendars we've got going on, the notifications that pop up. And so fasting today, um, if you're going to do it, you've got to remember it's, it's to focus you on God's lordship over your life, especially yeah. of other things, the, the calendar is becoming king in your life. And so this this question made me think of Proverbs 38 and 9, which tells us, give me neither poverty nor wealth, mm. feed me with food I need, otherwise I might have too much and deny you saying, who is the Lord, or I might have nothing and steal profaning the name of my God. Um, which doesn't necessarily have to do with fasting, but it makes me think of, you've got to have this mindset um, for what you need in general, but also if you're fasting. Um, I'm just going to focus on the Lord being the Lord of my life and not forget him and all the busyness and yeah. and lead my family well. You know, if things yeah. are seeming out of whack, maybe it is good to fast and, and lead your family through that. Yeah. So He references don't, you know, not let the left hand know what the right hand's doing. That's We're back in Matthew 6. This mm-hmm. is Jesus' mm-hmm. Sermon on the Mount, and he starts off by saying, beware. We just read this a few minutes ago. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. Yeah. We talked about that with taxes last week. Yeah. Right. So the idea is you can still practice your righteousness before before others. Yeah. Uh, and dare I say, like you, home is where you should be practicing the majority of your righteousness. Yeah. I mean, there's instruction in Scripture to, you know, Take care of your family. You don't do that. You're worse than an infidel. Honor your wife so that your prayers may not be hindered. You know, dads, yeah. don't, 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 you know, make it, don't exacerbate your children. Like, I mean, there's just instruction. You go to Deuteronomy, like teach these things on the road when you go to sleep, when you wake up in the morning. Like, we have been given the task as parents, particularly men, to lead the home spiritually. And so it starts with motive right ask yourself why you want to fast um doesn't necessarily mean your wife has to fast with you Mm -hmm. but when she when you come home and she's like i made enchiladas and you're gonna be like oh what are you gonna say i had bread at work right i had french you're gonna lie (laughs) knowing you put that bread straight in the garbage Right, because you do, you put yourself in a position to to lie, and you also put yourself in a position uh, to maybe seem uh, above her, you know. Yeah. Where, you know, I made enchiladas, and you're like, I can't. Yeah, she should have known. I'm fasting. Yeah. She want me to do all these enchiladas, right? So, and and so that's what Jesus is talking about here. It really is. It really is motive. Now, 
they they do talk about two different things. They talk about fasting, acts of service, and then praying in tongues. That one's a bit outside of, um, and I'm assuming they're referring to that prayer language yeah. that Paul talks about in, you know, uh, Corinthians 12 and 14, 13, 14. And that, that one, you know, is a very personal thing, yeah. and, and we're called to do that privately. So I, I don't know if I would necessarily recommend doing that with your spouse, because again, the, the instruction that Paul gives to us is that's something that's done kind of kind of privately. And yes, the two are one flesh, but that prayer language is between you and the Lord. It's not the tongues that we see in the church. It's it's a different type of tongues, um, if you will. So that one, I would I may continue to do that one privately um, because you don't teach how to do that. That's a spiritual gift, right? Tongues is a spiritual gift. Yeah. Um, fasting is not a spiritual gift. Act of service, not really a spiritual gift. You know, we can all learn. Yeah, the gift to, of helps. Yeah, right. Um, you could lead them in asking for that gift, like you Paul could, recommends. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I wish that, you know, everybody spoke tongues that I do. More mm-hmm. than that, I wish you guys prophesied. So, yeah. so that's a spiritual gift. So you, you don't you don't necessarily teach that. You receive that from the Holy Spirit. And mm-hmm. so that one again, this is me. Yeah. I would probably be a little more conservative with with that one. And again, the idea is not to offer confusion when you pray together as a couple. Um, when when you have that direct communication with your Lord, with your Savior. And your spouse is there. It is a very intimate thing, um, and you don't do that, so it grows your relationship. But it is a natural byproduct. It just is. You're going to hear the heart of your wife or hear the heart of your husband as they pray. Um, you know, as if you if the Lord's blessed you with children, as you pray for your child together, that's a unique bonding thing. That happens, yeah. And the Lord is gracious in allowing us to receive a blessing from that. And the intent of prayer is to communicate to God to glorify Him, um, but to also ask Him what we need. Thank Him for all He's done. You know, Philippians four, Paul gives us instructions on how to do that. Jesus shows us how to pray. Um, so, if you prayed in your in tongues, if the Lord has given you that that gift of that that private language, if you do that with your with your wife or you do that with your husband, um, it's going to be confusing yeah. for them. They're not going to that intimacy. It, it, some of that's going to be lost. And again, we don't. I'm not advocating that you don't do that because you're not getting anything out of it. But again, it does kind of lend itself more to confusion. So, so tongues is a spiritual gift. Again, fasting, acts of service, not, not necessarily, um, but um, you know, and more instructed to do in secret or without boast. But as a husband, how to keep something like giving and fasting? Uh, then they bring up giving, uh, giving a, a completely different uh, again. Um, I, giving has to, I mean, I would never, I, I've done premarital counseling. I would never advise ever any hiding of any money anywhere in a marriage. Yeah. Uh, like I, yeah, I go so far as to uh, encourage couples and this is not in the Bible 
I don't say this as a command. <laughs> um, God hasn't given us this as a command. I, this is just life experience and what I've seen from marriage counseling. When people come into my office, there's problems uh, in the checkbook, or the problem in the bedroom, problems with the kids. That's typically the three that I see. They're arguing because of the kids, the, you know, or the kids have changed their life. Uh, intimacy is an issue. Sexual intimacy is an issue. And a lot of times rooted in communication and then money, money, never, ever hide money. And so I will tell couples, get, get one account, <laughs> one checking account yeah. and everybody's got access to it. Yeah. Like it's not, well, that's my money and that's your money. And, and I've married couples that, you know, have been older. I mean, and they're in their, I, I married a 70 year old, uh, you know, was a, a widower and uh, same with the, the wife, uh, new wife and get one account. I know you guys have been doing this for you know, yeah. a long time, but get, get one account. You need that accountability because money is the root of all kinds of evil, is it not? And so when you see somebody hiding money, and even if it's with good intent, um, I think it's important. And the instruction, giving is a command. Again, so you're not allowing your spouse to even know that they're being obedient to that command and they're contributing to the household. I don't care if it's a, a stay-at-home uh, wife, a stay-at-home mom, stay-at-home dad. It doesn't. It doesn't matter. It's all one pot of of money. And just because you're not maybe bringing money in the home, uh, doesn't mean that you're not adding value. Uh, so you know, the money is. It's a tricky one. So giving absolutely bring them bring them in. Uh, and then they go on to say, "Are we considered one flesh?" This comes from you know Genesis two. Um, and do these things together, uh, and you are you are one flesh, um, and so all the more reason to to bring the only again um, thing I would recommend is that that uh, praying in tongues. Really, um, I would advocate that you'd keep that keep that private. But when it comes to leading your children, you know, I think showing your kids how to give how to serve, serving alongside of your kids. One of the coolest things about the men's breakfast was all the young kids there. You had mentioned that. Yeah. Um, and you had, you know, mentioned that Oscar was going to come and, you know, mm -hmm. <clears throat> in a way giving people permission to bring their yeah. kids. And we had a three-year-old was yeah. the youngest that was there. And I just thought that that was just amazing. Yeah. Three-year-old, you know, this kid's probably brilliant. I think the dad's brilliant, but my <laughs> most three-year-olds, I know they're, they're kind of aloof, right? They're three. Yeah. Um, but still there still in yeah. that in that room and so that's that's huge um you know if you have the ability to um do things like an allowance for your kids based on chores um i, I guess that, is that still an allowance if they're getting it for chores <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> not really <laughs> but if there's a way for you to to teach them to earn yeah. money you take out the garbage you get a dollar whatever it is and then you teach them how to give yeah on that money you show them um and you don't need to get into the details uh, with your kids necessarily you know daddy gives xyz amount of money and i give us you know it doesn't need to be that and i've talked about this before you know people get hung on on the percentages you know is it 10 percent? is it and you know um you guys talked again about that you know last week but um, show them, teach them how to do these things, serve yeah. alongside them. Again, praying in tongues, you can't teach somebody how to do that. I, I, and so that I, especially with kids, that might throw them for a, a, yeah. a bit of a loop. I would do that one um, alone. What do you got? I saw you looking in the back at words. 
Well, maybe to put a bow tie on all of this, or a bow on this. Um, <laughs> I've never heard bow tie. <laughs> this is a very formal uh, podcast. Put a clip on. <laughs> Necktie here. Um, yeah. Let's put a shoelace on this whole thing. Wrap it up. So he, Hebrews 13 says, remember your leaders, there you go. those who spoke to you the word of God. Remember the Titans. No, it doesn't really say that. <laughs> but it explains that by saying, consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. So when we go through the Sermon on the Mount and we see Jesus focus on being in secret and not doing it to be showy, we don't want to paint this picture of the church where we come together on Sunday, we hear the word of God, and then we all go out into the world and nobody has any idea what's going on with anybody right. else because we are so tight-lipped and button-lipped. Yeah. Like, how are we supposed to consider the way of the of life of our leaders and imitate that if we don't see it? Exactly. Um and scripture also says that the students should share all good things with, with their master. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that means share the victories. Yeah. T come back to them and say, Hey, you said this inspired me to do this. I did it. This happened. That happens to us on Sunday mornings. People come up and they share great things that they're doing in the kingdom. And that is not, that's not what Jesus was talking about. Right. That's spurring each other onto good works. And that is yeah. what we should be doing. Absolutely. It's Jesus was not trying to paint this picture that we need to button down and nobody ever hears anything that we do ever because that's not the picture of a vibrant church, I don't think. He's he's saying, don't be a Pharisee where you're only giving this $20 to that homeless man because you're making sure the person behind you is seeing it. Yep. That's what he's saying. It's the yeah. heart, the heart motive. Should we be talking about our fasting? Yeah, maybe. If it's going to be done with a pure heart, mm -hmm. because God did something awesome in your life and you want your pastor to know, or you want this other person to know because you want them to know how great God is, then yeah, let's encourage each other in these things. Right? How are we supposed to imitate each other in our faith and build each other and grow if if you know we're we're kept we're keeping all of this so hush hush <clears throat> that no one has any idea what anyone else is doing yeah i think that's how the church is built up in love i think that's how people can be confronted and spoken uh speaking the truth and love to each other in that way like like daniel you know he was going to his prayer closet three times a day and he still got arrested for it right you know or he's like Daniel, you should have been more private with this you should like right. you shouldn't right. let them even get tipped go brush off my they, teeth exactly <laughs> like like people are going to see things they're going to be observant yeah. and that's fine and it's even okay to to share these things. I agree. Yeah. Um, and I and I think it's a. I love that you're, you're saying this because I don't want this, uh, you know, to leave this podcast with people thinking that, like, fasting. You just shut. You never say anything because that's not the case. Like I have fasted. Yeah. I have told Rachel, if I don't eat dinner, just leave me alone. And because I was at a point, and this was particularly in in 2017 when. You know, Henry was diagnosed with cancer. My dad had a stroke. My stepmom died. My grandpa died. We went to three services. I blew my back out. I had a lot going on. Yeah. Um, and I needed clarity. Uh, and so uh, this is something I, I needed to do. Yeah. And so I did it and I just told Rachel, I'm going to do this. If I don't eat and, you know, I take care of the most of the meals in the home anyways, because I love to cook and, um, so it's not like I would come home and she'd be like, here's your enchiladas. Um, but I, I let her know, like, just, yeah, you, you know, let me, let me be, um, just, I need this time alone. Um, 
I don't want people to think that I'm like, particularly with fasting, like it can't be done. Truthfully, what, what I'm talking about is in that in the context that we talked about with, with Zach, where it is a pastor, a campaign, yeah. it is. But I think it's, and I have shared with people experiences with fasting. Um, when, when I first started working here, um, I was part-time. Um, and I was working 15 hours a week, making like 10 bucks an hour leading worship and teaching guitar lessons on the side. And Rachel was supporting us, and I was so thankful uh, to be here. But I started, um, I got approached by another church uh, to work at this other church. And it was a full-time position, um, a, a very good salary, benefits, whole thing. And I didn't know what to do. So I fasted, and I got unbelievable clarity because it, it, I, I refrained from food and I took that time and I just prayed and just very much in like a Daniel situation, like I need answers, Lord. Um, and I've shared that story and I feel fine sharing ab about it now. Um, it is a powerful thing uh, that the Lord can, can use because, because when you quiet everything else down, you, you, when you can actually, we talked about this, you talked about it, I talked about it, what is it, focus. When you can actually like stop down and focus mm -hmm. on what the word says and just hearing from the Lord through his word, just waiting to feel a sense of, of peace, um, you know, and, and being instructed by his truth, when you can focus on that, you do get clarity. And so I don't want people to think that I'm like, you know, fasting has to be, you're getting your reward because I don't want to be legalistic with it. Um, but at the same time, I'm will never do a, a buddy campaign type of fast at at hope because I I do think that that is it's you're putting you're leading others to stumble potentially, um, so yeah, what you're saying is super super um, dead on. I think Mark, where you can't be light if if people can't see it, yeah, <laughs> like you don't hide it, yeah. Um, so yeah, that's that's good. Any other final thoughts on? Amen, brothers. Anything? Uh, I like that you brought up the term spiritual disciplines. Mm. I think that's really going to help this listener because they are literally asking, "How do I go about these spiritual disciplines in my life?" Yeah. Um, as I do, am, I bring am, my family along with me. Yeah. How do I model this in my home well? And mm -hmm. I just appreciate this question so much that they're they're on that adventure, they're on that journey. And they're seeking wisdom in this. And, and they, they see themselves in that role because they right, are in that role. Right. Yeah. So great job. Yeah, it's yeah. very, very encouraging. I notice uh, I'm pointing here at Chad. Your uh, jacket says uh, grateful. It does. Is that a brand? It is a brand. Is it really? Mm-hmm. Nice. It's a clothing brand called Grateful. Where did you get there that? You did you thrift that? Online. Okay. What else do they have? I've got a couple T-shirts by them. If you've ever seen me with the t-shirt with the rose that's on fire, that's their logo. I haven't noticed that. Have you? Yeah. Really? Yeah. yeah. It's come up. Do you like clothes? Do you pay attention to clothes and style? Or, or are you just kind of... I just love your delivery with questions. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter what you say. <laughs> that's great. Do you like clothes? <laughs> like, does it matter? I know we've talked about clothes and, you know, we talked about, you know, you tucking and untucking. I know it's your untucked 
couple of weeks ago. Was I? You were. And I thought, did I do this? Did I make him self-conscious about the talking? It looks great. (laughs) Talked. Looks great. Untucked. Whatever you want to do. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Like, do you, do you you like that? Do you like shopping for clothes? I do. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. What's, but I do mostly thrift, but that's like, I've brought that up before. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because uh, my, my style is very different. It's very unique, very eclectic. Yeah. What is it? What's your style? What would you call it? Probably the main word is streetwear. Streetwear. It's, you know, it's going to look like a skater. Okay. Yeah. And I've just carried that with me ever since like my upperclassman years of high school for the most part. Did you but skateboard? I did. Did you? Were you good? Yeah. I was all right. Yeah. Wasn't going pro or anything. Yeah. Yeah. You skateboard? No. Do you ever try it? No. Really? Nope. You've been on my balance board in the office. Oh, that's terrifying. <laughs> yeah. You've been the best at it. No. No. No, everybody everybody else is terrible. <sighs> I hate it. <laughs> I don't, I think I put one foot on it and yeah. I went, this is an ER visit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, Definitely. I'm not built for this. Definitely. Yeah. So you have never been on a skateboard? Come on. I, I mean. I've been on one. I, not that I ever remember. Maybe I pro- probably at some point I feel like I had to at least have stepped on one. Yeah, like, I've you, never like gone for it to try it. And you either skate or you're in a garage band, and that one of those takes up your time. Yeah, but but skaters and garage banders are friends. No skaters like that. Like skateboarding had such a negative connotation growing up in my family. Like it was like that's what the the dropouts did. That sort of thing. Like it really? was. Yeah, it was. Was it the clothing? Bad scene. It was the clothing. partially the clo- yeah. all of it? Like yeah, the whole the, <laughs> the whole long the whole package. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the disrespect toward authority, like everything, yeah. Man. Well, I do. It does sound like I was a dropout. I can't even quote <laughs> Uncle Ben correctly. So. Did, you, uh, did you ollie? Of course I ollied. Yeah. That's what you learned first. Yeah. Was it good? <laughs> <laughs> was it good? Was it high? How oh. high How high did you get when you ollied? Uh, I got three feet off the ground <laughs> that time. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> Shocks. Pegs. I, I got into skateboarding for a little while. You did? I did, yeah, mm. big time. We do learn stuff on this podcast, my buddy, I'll tell you. My buddy Adam and <laughs> I built a uh, a little half pipe. Really? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, and we wow. put it in his driveway. I mean, we took all summer doing this. Dang. And, uh, yeah, it uh, had the whole gear. There's a lot of Van Halen-styled skateboards. Yeah, didn't have one. I got one from uh, Hills. <laughs> what? Hills. What is that? Hills was a store. We got a local we skate shop. You don't know what Hills is? No. Did you go to Hills? Yeah, oh yeah, we had Hills. We've had a lot of generational talk today, yeah. I feel like. Yeah, we For have. some reason I I feel old today and you seem very young. Is we're, that what's going on? We're starting well, to notice I mean, it. <laughs> <laughs> I love that you didn't say, no, that's not true. <laughs> you said it's just become we're becoming aware of it now. This has always been a problem, but today finally just, catching on, old man. I gotta tell you, <laughs> it was right there on the seat. He's kind of blowing my mind that I'm going to be 44 in a couple of months. Like I can't fathom yeah, episode this. 44. Yeah, like 44. I can't. It's nuts to me. I haven't skateboarded in 30 years. How tragic is that? I mean, I am getting there. I'm 30, and so I realized I haven't snowboarded in like a decade. Wow. Yeah. You, did you ever snowboard? No. Mark? No. no. It was when I finally embraced I'm going to be in the Cleveland, Ohio area for a while. Yeah. This is what I'm calling home, yeah. but I hate the winter. Yeah. I can't stand oh, the winters I here, oh, and I just embrace it and said, I know, you know what? I, I grew up skateboarding. 
because I love the summer, love being out there. I'd be out yeah. there for hours. And what can I do so I don't just hate three to four months <laughs> here? <laughs> and I, I, I got a skateboard from a buddy or a snowboard from a buddy, and they taught me um, over the course of uh, like a month or so. And, and then I was out there by myself. Yeah. And I would go almost every day. It's good exercise. It's great exercise. Were you a yeah. righty or a lefty? Uh, left foot first, yeah. Left. Okay, mm-hmm. that's what I did. So you never snowboard, skateboard. Do you not like standing sideways going forward? I mean, I, we, w- we would have had to drive hours to get to the closest place to actually snowboard. <clears throat> gotcha. Like so did you want mm-hmm. a skateboard and your parents wouldn't buy a skateboard because I, of the culture? I didn't really. No. I don't know. I grew up in a small town. There wasn't even like a big skateboarding scene, Oh, say. it's not okay. West Virginia culture, really. Yeah. What did you do outside as a kid? Sports. Sports? Okay. Yeah, I did baseball, basketball, and golf. Okay. Yeah. That's right, golf. Yeah. When did you start golfing? Were you young? Did your dad golf? Uh, sometime in high school. No, my dad did not golf. He golf. He started golfing just because I did. He wanted to spend time with me, but That's wow. he was terrible. Does Oscar have any interest in golf? No. Well, not yet. I don't know. No. I, I wasn't. I was probably high school when I got really into it. Your kids play sports at all? Um, They've, tar- they've tried baseball. Yeah. Yeah. Do you like it or no? It was... Mixed results. Yeah. Yeah. We don't know what to do with Henry. Yeah. We do trail <laughs> life. We really it's like drumming. trail life. We, we like Oscar likes hiking and climbing on rocks. So that's, that's why we got into, yeah, to trail life. Um, we'll see. Veda will try anything. Like she loves just doing things. So yeah. she would do any sport or any activity or any club or anything. Mm. Um, she's, I guess, not hard to please. But you and Henry should just do stand up one night. <laughs> I don't, I'm not funny. Father, son. <laughs> I'm just do an open mic. And see what happens. I've done open mics. Before. I would love to see what Henry what says. <laughs> I I have written. It was even. I don't know. Rachel would know. Maybe four or five years ago, I started working on it. I got the itch to try to go. I didn't do it a ton. I think I've maybe done it maybe 10, 12 times um, trying to write material. It's very hard. It's very, very difficult. It's mm-hmm. not like a, you say maybe one funny thing or something that strikes people funny on a Sunday is much different than trying to be yeah. consistently funny and engaging um, in, you know, for five minutes or 10 minutes. Yeah. Cause that's about what you got. Your laughs yeah. per minute has to go way up. It does. Yeah. It would be, it was, it was challenging um, to do, but it was fun and I got the itch to do it again. Uh, but I never wound up getting beyond, you know, maybe two or three minutes because it just takes time. I can't imagine what these guys do. I mean, they're, they're out in clubs, like workshopping this stuff. Um, and it's just, I don't know. I, I find that whole scene really, I think we all appreciate the, the comedy. Mm-hmm. We, and we enjoy it. And we all have a fairly similar taste. Yeah. I think. Even though we're all different generations. Even though we are a hundred years apart. <laughs> <laughs> that's it well thank you guys uh, for your insight today uh, if you do have questions you would like to submit to the atrium you can email uh, podcast at hopechristianchurch.com or you can text your question to 440 hope two 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 thank you pastor chad thank you pastor mark it's good to be back yes. and we will see you all next week see Bye. you see you